Welcome to See It or Shove It. Each week, we'll feature a recap and review of the latest theatrical and streaming releases, and I'll advise whether you should go see it in the theaters or at home, or shove it all together and pretend it doesn't exist. I'm your host, Greg, and thanks to theater subscription programs, I go and see every movie I can and bring my opinions back to you. Each year, I try to see more movies than I did the previous year. This year, my targets are to see at least 264 movies, with at least 149 of those in the theater. As of this recording, I am up to 74 films overall and 45 in the theater. Will I reach my goal? Keep listening for updates, and let's get started on this week's episode. At the movies this week, Mark Wahlberg plays real-life priest Father Stu, Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, an allegedly fictionalized version of Celine Dion's life story titled Aline, and the latest addition to the Wizarding World, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. First up is Father Stu. In this true story, Mark Wahlberg plays Stuart Long, a reformed man who spends his life searching for his purpose before finding it within the church. The movie opens with Stuart in the boxing ring as an amateur fighter. When he is sidelined by an injury, his mother, who's played by the always great Jackie Weaver, whom you may remember as an Oscar nominee for her roles in Animal Kingdom and Silver Linings Playbook, she tries to convince him that he has missed his chance at professional boxing and that he needs to find a stable career, something more reliable. So what does he try? Acting, of course. He moves to California with a big ego, and he's convinced that he will make it big in just a few weeks. Instead, he spends his day working as a clerk in a supermarket while also trying to scheme his father, played by Mel Gibson, into supporting his dream. Eventually, he meets a woman who gets his attention, but there's one hurdle he must jump. She is ultra-religious, and he is far from it. This sends Stu on a mission to impress her by joining the church, attending services, and volunteering at church events and things like that. One thing leads to another, and he eventually finds his connection to God to be even greater than his connection to his eventual girlfriend, Carmen. The rest of the film is spent on his journey into the priesthood and the impact he makes on the community. Now, for some reason, when I saw the trailer for this a few months back, I thought this was going to be a comedy. It is not. I wish it had been. The first hour dragged on unnecessarily and could have easily been told in half the time, and the final act seemed too rushed. This movie, I think, was just a mess. I, it couldn't find its tone, the writing was poor, and even the acting was not up to par considering the usual talents of the main cast. It was in desperate need of a rewrite and an edit, and I really didn't enjoy this at all. This is definitely a shove-it. Switching gears, I was able to see an advanced showing of the latest Nicolas Cage film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. This stars Nicolas Cage as a caricature of himself. The film opens with Nick Cage as an actor who is well past his prime and facing financial ruin, along with a fractured relationship with his teenage daughter and his ex-wife. He is offered $1 million to attend a birthday party for a mega fan in Spain, to which he initially passes on. But with the bills piling up, he takes the offer. 
After landing in Spain, we meet two CIA agents played by the hilarious Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz, who have been trailing the fan Cage is going to meet. The fan, Javi, is played by Pedro Pascal of Wonder Woman 1984 and Mandalorian fame, so you might recognize him. The CIA believes that Javi has kidnapped a young girl so that a politician running for president will drop out in favor of a candidate more sympathetic to the drug lords in Mallorca. The CIA recruits Cage to be their plant, and things take a hilarious turn, and the rest of the film is filled with action and comedy that ended up being a fun ride. The cast of the film is terrific. Cage has really been on a hot streak lately, after many years of questionable roles that were clearly taken for the paycheck. Between last year's amazing performance in the movie Pig, which was one of my favorite performances of the year, and this, we may be seeing a nice career resurgence from him. Haddish, Pascal, and Barinholtz are all great in their roles, as is Sharon Horgan as Cage's ex-wife. A little about Sharon Horgan. I first saw her in the delightful film Military Wives a couple years ago. It was instantly enamored. She reminds me of an Irish Connie Britton, and I love Connie Britton, so that is high praise. I hope we get to see more of her in years to come. There's also a handful of cameos in this movie that are a lot of fun, so... Um, I would say this film was the most fun I've had at the movies this year and is currently my favorite of 2022 so far. It will be released this Friday, April 22nd, and is definitely a see it. Next up is the film Aline, a supposedly fictionalized telling of the life of singer Celine Dion. When I first read about this film, I thought it was going to be a campy, fun train wreck, especially when I read that the 58-year-old writer-director of the film, French actress Valérie Lemercier, would be playing a five-year-old version of Céline Dion. Oh, excuse me, I mean Aline Dieu. The film begins with how Aline's parents met, married, and had 13 children, before having a late-in-life 14th child, Aline. Aline joined the family band and was discovered to have a beautiful, natural singing voice. So the family then decides to record a demo and send it to record manager Guy-Claude Kemar, who is based, obviously based, I should say, on Dion's real-life husband, René Angelil. The film shows how Kemar transforms Dieu from an awkward-looking ingenue into a worldwide pop superstar that everyone loves. It also shows how a young Dieu fell in love with Kemar and built a family with him. Like I said, when I went into this movie, I thought it was going to be a hot mess, but I ended up thoroughly enjoying it. It's not very surprising, because my favorite books to read tend to be biographies and memoirs, so I'm usually a sucker for biopics. Although, I tend to like the ones that focus on a short period of time rather than a cradle-to-grave story. I find those stories don't spend enough time on storytelling in order to get in-depth into the story they're telling because they're in such a hurry to get all the life events in. This one does have its faults. The younger years were portrayed in a haphazard, almost campy way, and no creative camera angles can make Le Mercier convincing as a 5- or 16-year-old girl, okay? That said, 
the adult portions of the film were very engaging and well told. Although the story could have used more depth, but like I said, you don't really get those when you see a cradle-to-grave, birth-to-death type of um, biopic. So, they somehow secured the rights to a handful of Dion's songs for the film, which I found interesting. Uh, And listen, they can say all they want that this is a fictionalized telling of Dion's life, but as a fan who went to college 30 minutes away from the Canadian border, I have been following Celine Dion since she was 22 years old. This is her story, and Le Mercier is fantastic in the role. She gets all of Dion's tics and quirks down pat and is very convincing. There were times I felt like I was watching Celine Dion. Um, she, I even read that she won the French version of the Oscar for this role. Now, I also heard that Dion is not very happy about having this film made, but honestly, it really is a loving tribute to her. I rate this as a see it, especially if you are a Celine fan. Although, if you don't enjoy foreign language films, it is mostly in French with English subtitles. My final film for this week is Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, starring Eddie Redmayne and Jude Law. The third entry in the Fantastic Beasts series opens with Redmayne's Newt helping a magical creature that has the ability to see into the soul of humans. When this creature gives birth, the evil Grindelwald, now played by the wonderful Mads Mikkelsen, taking over for the embattled Johnny Depp, kills one of the creatures in order to prevent it from sensing his evil aura. What he doesn't realize is that the creature birthed twins, and Newt is in possession of the other one. Newt is recruited by Albus Dumbledore, who wants him and his team to fight Grindelwald in order to stop him from world domination. What follows is a journey of epic proportions and special effects that showcase the magic this and the Harry Potter series is known for. The story follows Grindelwald's assassination attempt on one of his political foes and Newt's race against time to stop him. In addition to Redmayne and Law, returning to this installment is Dan Folger as Jacob Kowalski, who adds quite a bit of humor to the dark story. Surprisingly, almost missing entirely is Catherine Waterston's Tina. Remember her from the previous two? Rumor is was that she was being punished for speaking out against author J.K. Rowling's anti-transgender stance, so they substantially rewrote the script to minimize her character in this film, which is a shame because she and her character are, to me, the highlight of the previous films. Speaking of that controversy, along with the dark cloud of Johnny Depp's personal troubles, this film has an almost Potter-like curse on it. The troubled production and new faces do not help its case, and Mads Mikkelsen is no slouch, so taking over for Depp is not as egregious as Watterson being missing, but it still is a little off. The film itself was well made and enjoyable enough, especially the action scenes and visual effects. Few franchises can do special effects as good as this one. I saw this film in 4DX, which, if you don't know, is a theater where the seats simulate the action on screen, as well as special effects such as lightning, wind, fog, rain, and snow right there in the theater. It's like being on a theme park ride for two and a half hours. So that experience made the film a lot more enjoyable, I think, than had I watched it in a standard theater. Now look, 
the Fantastic Beasts series will always pale in comparison to the Harry Potter stories. They just are not that engaging and the characters are not as interesting, which makes it easy for critics to dump on these films. And that being said, it is still a better made movie than a lot of other things out there, which makes me give this one a mild see it rating, um, especially if you're really into the wizarding world. You'll probably enjoy it even more. So that's it for this week's movies. To recap, Father Stu gets a shove it rating, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent gets an enthusiastic see it rating and opens everywhere this coming Friday, Aline gets a see it rating, and Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore gets a mild see it rating. Additionally, it's time for my lightning round reviews of the additional movies I saw this week that may or may not be worth your time in my segment called Quick Picks. Netflix's coming-of-age comedy about a high school heavy metal band, Metal Lords, is a see-it. Amazon Prime's spy mystery, starring Chris Pine and Tandaway Newton called All the Old Knives, is a see-it. If you didn't get to see The Batman while it was in theaters, it will be premiering on HBO and HBO Max this coming weekend, and it is a see-it. And finally, if you are one of the three people who has not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, it is now available to rent and own and is a see-it. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I'm grateful. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this week. And come back next time to hear my takes on the latest film releases, including the animated comedy The Bad Guys and the brutal historical epic The Northman. Follow and rate me wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll see you next time. See It or Shove It is recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio. All rights reserved.